So, verse 5. Let's walk through it. On the next day, so the boys was locked up. Now, just imagine that. They've been in prison. They got arrested unjustly. And just, just try to live it. Be, be human with them. And just imagine that. You're, you know, persecuted, arrested. And then on the next day, their rulers, elders, scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. So Tate brought that up. So the, the, the scene is kind of getting set. The stage is getting set. All these religious rulers, even Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas. These were the boys that put Jesus on the cross and John and Alexander. Now look at this. All who were of the high priestly family. That's a platform right there. That's quite a crowd. Verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name do you do this? Let's pause there. Now, there's a lot to think. I just want us to see, had they not got arrested and thrown in prison, perhaps maybe this platform wouldn't be the case. You got you to see the sovereignty of God and stuff like that. Because I think as followers of Christ, I, I would be tempted. I think Peter and John may have been tempted to think in the jail cell, like, gosh, we've been preaching the gospel. And... Um, we never deserve to get locked up. And I wonder, I wonder if there was a struggle or maybe there wasn't. I don't know. But I think it's important for us to see that had this persecution not come, this platform may have not been presented. But the persecution led to this great platform, this stage, this opportunity. And Peter and John made the most of that opportunity. I, I want us to sit on this just a little bit because I, I, I perhaps wonder has God even been through, whether it's persecution or maybe just junk circumstances, been creating platforms and opportunities for us to share, but we just don't see it. You know, and so those of you who showed up on Sunday, you know, I got into a car wreck last week, Friday and whatnot. And it's not a fun situation. That's, you know, local people it sucks, you know, like, times is hot, you know, that's just a bummer. It's not fun, but, but it's, it's, it's crazy how I think the Lord caused situations like that to open doors to open give me platforms to speak to people about christ had that not happened now that was just a junk circumstance this is persecution and i want us to see this that peter and john didn't get all fussy wussy about getting thrown in jail it doesn't seem luke doesn't record that i, I don't imagine them in prison being like oh see what happens when we talk about jesus we get bus up thrown in jail there this is interesting because this is the same Peter and John. This is the same Peter that not too long ago, he was scared and cowarded at a servant girl who said, do you know Jesus? Aren't you with him? Oh, no, I don't know him. This is the same coward. That he back then would not want to be in a situation like this. He wouldn't want to be in the hot spot like Trevor was saying. So I'm, I just need us to, to really think and sit and think, and, and think about this. Like Peter's changed. John has changed. Something happened. Persecution is now a platform to them. It's an open door. You hit me in the face, they're thinking, oh, right on, so I have a chance now. That's supernatural transformation. I think what they had in their theology was what man meant for evil, God's meaning it for good. I think they're the kind of guys who, if they read the apostle's letter, Apostle Paul in chapter 8, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. They'd say amen. I want us to see this. He writes this um, 
Oh, you know, go to Luke 21. Let's just turn really quick. I don't want to blast through this point. Go to Luke 21. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Luke is right before it. Luke 21. This is the same author of the book of Acts. Now, I wonder if they had these words of Jesus in their head when they were getting arrested, when they were getting thrown in prison, when they were being dragged up on trial before all these rulers and religious rulers. I wonder if this was on their heart. Luke 21, starting at verse 12. Actually, this started at verse 10. This is Jesus warning them of the persecution. Jesus said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, famines, pestilence. There's going to be terrors, great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, deliver you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. Is that not what's happening to the boys right now? Totally. Now look at this, what Jesus says. This will be your what? Thank you for reading it. This will be your opportunity. Don't be shook, Peter. Don't freak out, John. I told you this would happen. And now's your chance. Opportunity to what? To bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. I will give you, I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. We're going to see that happen in just a little bit. They're going to have a drop-the-mic moment. The, the priests are going to be like, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> you know, Verse 16, you will be delivered up 11 by parents, um, uh, even up by parents, brothers, relatives, friends. Some of you will even be put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head will perish by your endurance. You will gain your lives. It's not, this life is not where it's at. But I wanted you to see this. Christ said this would happen. And I wonder if this was what they were thinking on and chewing on. I wonder if this is, a, this is perhaps something that was fresh in their hearts in prison that night before. John, Peter, didn't he say this would happen? This would happen. And as they're getting brought up on trial, seeing all the governors, seeing all these leaders of the land, Peter and John were in the zone. They were tuned in. They were not these coward little scared boys anymore. They knew this is my shot. Write this down. We don't have to turn there. Ephesians 5.16, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but wise. Make the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish. Guys, when the Apostle Paul is teaching us to be wise with our days, it's not just um, healthy living and practical tips and you know, DIY stuff for life and how to live better. No, wisdom, according to the scriptures, according to Proverbs 11.30, says the fruit, of right, uh, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Whoever captures souls is wise. Whoever wins souls, he's a, a man of wisdom. If a man gets locked up in prison and he's before judges and all these people, the wise man will preach the gospel. Because souls and eternity is where it's at. Don't be foolish. What if this week God has given us so much opportunity, but we were so blinded by the circumstance or maybe the persecution that all we could do was complain and grumble? 
when God was preparing and setting up a platform for you to share what's good. Share Christ. You know, since I got in that car accident, I think it's been just such so much more fun since then for me. When you walk around with a cane and you look my age, people just ask, bro, what happened? You know? I think if I had gray hair and stuff, I walk around with a cane, I, I think they'd just say, oh, it's good to see you know, I walk into Starbucks and then like half the barista, oh, bro, what happened? You know, like I come into the church and the, the custodians are, oh, bro, what happened? And it's such a joy for me to tell them how the wreckage was and them say, bro, you could be dead or, oh, I'm so glad you're here. And tell them, even if I died, I'm so good. It was a good day. I have so much peace in my heart. And to see them just struck and hit. And then I'm waiting for the question that these guys said. How come? By what power, what name are you saying these things? See, Peter and John, they saw the window. They saw the door. They saw the opportunity. They probably were bloodied and bruised. And, and, and I wonder, go back to Acts 4, but I wonder if when the, the, the priest said, by what power or what name are you doing this? I wonder if Peter cracked just a grin and looked at John and be like, he did not just ask that. Like the kind of like, that's a load of you. Are you sure you, are you sure you want to know? Because get ready. Peter's about to spit it. God is given an amazing opportunity. Persecution led to the platform and Peter saw the chance and he's about to preach. I'm asking and praying for you to just think devotionally right now. Are you making the most of every opportunity? Are we? Let's not be foolish with our time, guys. So he says, how, by what power, what name? Verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Now this is Acts 1.8, and you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. This is not the regenerating, indwelling spirit, um, anointing. That happened when you become a believer. But even as you are saved, for those of you who are in Christ, if you've been converted, you've placed your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins because you see that his righteous life was the atoning sacrifice for you. You got that settled. You have peace in your heart. You are indwelt with the Spirit. But as you continue on in this life, isn't it interesting that you still struggle with sin? You still struggle with lust. You still struggle with getting angry. You still struggle with getting prideful. You still struggle with not wanting to share Christ. You still struggle with not wanting to get into the scriptures. Yes, you need the filling of the Holy Spirit. This is a prayer we ought to pray too many times a day. Like again and again and again. Right now. You pray it right now. Bree, what's up? We prayed for you. How my name. Um, pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And this, these are the things that happens when the Spirit of God comes upon a man. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he said to them, who's the them? The people who unjustly threw him in prison and beat on him, falsely accused him. What does he say to them? Rulers. He doesn't tisk and say, hey, suckers. Hey, brada, you, yeah, who shouldn't be one priest. You don't even, you cannot even the kind connect the dots to Christ. No, he doesn't do that. What does he say? With respect, ruler of the people. He still calls them by their titles, elders. See, when you're filled with the Spirit, you speak truth in love. You're respectful. 
I want us to see this because Peter wrote this in one of his epistles. I'll read it to you. He wrote upon this very subject of when you are persecuted, when you suffer for the sake of righteousness. He says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14 to 15, you can write it down, I'll read it for us. This is Peter now. He wrote this. If you should suffer for righteousness sake, I mean, if you get cracks, you get scoffed at, mocked at, shafted, your family, your friends, they look down on you, they say false things against you. Perhaps we're living in a time you may get thrown in jail for this, fired from your workplace for this because you bear the name Christ or you stand firm on the faith and what the Bible believes. You know, the doctor that treated me, that, you know, we sat and we talked when I got went in there. That was another platform God gave me. We talked all about faith in Christ and the next life after this the whole time. One of the things he said to me, though, he said, you know, you're a pastor, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to get charged with hate crimes if you keep preaching that book. I mean, there's so much things in there that just everything in politics is just anti against now. I wouldn't be surprised. And he's not saying as a war- like like against me. He was just agreeing with me. And see, he, he just said, I just wouldn't be surprised. Peter said, if you should suffer for righteousness sake. Look at me really. Look up here, please. We are in times, if you are truly in Christ, expect suffering. The Bible is clear. Jesus didn't want us to, whoa, I didn't know that was coming. We must be ready. He says this, you'll be blessed. Have no fear of them. This is coming from the man before trial. and this is, this is, He's speaking from experience. If you should suffer. Don't be scared, nor be troubled. Verse 15, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in you. Lord, help us be ready. Are you ready? Are we prepared? Now he says this, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Peter is modeling this so well right now in Acts 4. If I was Peter, I'd be struggling with getting up on that trial. But yeah, you like, no. You like, no, the name and the power. I'll show you, right? He doesn't do that. He's not afraid, though, either. His calmness, his coolness, his collectedness is not cowardness. He's calm. But he's total gentleman. Verse 16, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. It's better to suffer for doing good. If that should be God's will, then for, your, um, f- then for doing evil. Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. I love how Peter teaches on suffering. He says, see, the reason why you're able to hold it together, man, The reason why you're able to speak truth in love and be so gentle, so respectful, so humble, so meek, in the face of opposition, your enemy's up in your grill. You know why you can do that? Because Christ did that for us, to bring us to God. I love how Peter, I love how the apostles teach. They always point us to Christ. He is the great example. He's the man of sorrows. He was the sheep led, led to the shares, and he did not say a peep. He humbled, he humbled himself, and he was obedient to death, 
And he demonstrated humility and meekness in a supernatural way for all Christians to look at him and gaze at him and just be floored and say, make me like you. There may be a day, Christian, coming that you will be persecuted for your faith. How will you react? How will you respond? Are you ready? Are you prepared? And are you so filled with the Spirit that you will do it with gentleness and meekness and respectfully? I hope that we are ready for that. It is a good prayer to pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because perhaps maybe some of you in the house, there is a friend, there is a coworker, there is an auntie, an uncle, a brother, a sister who is poking at you in life. All they want to do is scrap with you about the faith. Are you gentle? Are you respectful? Ask for the Spirit. Great examples to us. Definitely exuding the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, gentleness. I know, and I'm not filled with the Spirit. <laughs> Just not gentle. I'm not self-control. I'll speak the truth, but I'll say it like, brah, you don't get it. You know, Peter and John did not. Now you like know his name. But they didn't do any of that. There was no attitude of disrespect. Great models. Go back to Acts 4. So when filled with the Spirit, they speak respectfully. Help us, Lord, to do that. I am certain, I would almost want to guarantee that in that prison cell the night before, they were probably praying for the priests and the rulers and the Sadducees and all those boys. Why? Because their Lord taught them that. Matthew 5, 44. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Um, let, um, pray for those who persecute you. Right? Love your enemies. I'm imagining them just, I would have loved to be in that prayer time or in that cell with them, just seeing how they prayed seeing how they were taking all this in and then just coming up out of that cell, they were just filled, man. They were yoked. They were ready. <laughs> Verse 10, being filled with the Spirit, Peter preached the gospel. Now hear this word, clearly. I do believe where perhaps some of us here, you don't preach the gospel at all. You just don't share it at all. You've already justified in your mind why you don't share it and, how, and why you just don't. But then I think there's more of us. It's not that we don't preach it at all. I think most of us don't preach it all. You hear that? Some people don't preach it at all. And that's something you need to wrestle and go to the Lord and ask yourself why. Why do you not tell, if you so love your friend, you so love your family, you so love your coworker or whatever, they're your best bro, best whatever. And you say Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. He's the greatest gift of your life. And you, you don't have any desire to share that with them. I don't know. That just calls to question. Do you really believe this? That's just something I think you and, you and I need to examine ourselves. Why is it so much easier for you to go tell them about the latest movie that rocked? And you could just spit it, like preach it like that. But when it comes to Christ, you don't preach at all. You don't share at all. That is, a, that is a discussion and prayer you need to go to the Lord with tonight. But for some of us, we do share gospel. We do share our faith. We do share Christ. But what we do is we don't share it all. We share bits and parts of the gospel. We share the fun parts. And perhaps it's because 
We're still cowards. We don't want to be persecuted. We don't want to lose favor. We care more about our friendship and being liked than telling them the truth, the whole truth. Peter preached the whole gospel clearly. Check it. Verse 10, it says, Let it be known to all of you, all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ, he notes Jesus Christ of Nazareth, meaning he was a man. The Jesus from the hood, Nazareth, that one. The one who came, the incarnation. He took on flesh, that Jesus. He's speaking the life. Peter is clear on the life of Jesus. He says, whom you crucified. He is clear on the death of Jesus. When Peter preaches the gospel, he preaches the life of Christ. He preaches the death of Christ. And Hannah noted, or Tierra noted, you killed him. That we rebelled against Christ. We sinned against Christ. You guys sinned against this Jesus. He's hitting all the bases. He's clear on this. He then says, God raised from the dead. And I'm wondering if the Sadducees in the house are getting more irritated, right? Because we learned last week, they don't believe in resurrection stuff. So he brings it up again. But just in case you forgot, you guys killed him. And just in case you forgot, but God raised him from the dead. He, he's clear on the life, the death, the resurrection. Remember 1 Corinthians 15 last week? No resurrection, no gospel. When we share Christ with people, we must be clear. And we got to tell it all. He's not finished. He says, God raised him from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. He gives all the glory to Christ. All the credit to Christ. This is how Peter preaches the gospel. Life, death, resurrection, glory, Christ. Everything, start to finish. And you've rebelled against him. Then he gets to the end. There's no other name under heaven by which man is saved. And he calls them again and again and again. Repent, believe on him. This is why he died. For your sins. We don't want to talk about this message to people. Why? Because it's offensive. It assumes you're a sinner. It assumes you need a savior. And it gives all the glory to Christ. And the priests, the religious people hated that. Their theology was man-centered. They loved their rules and they love to feel like they're good enough, and you are not. So when you come preaching this message, it flattens their pride. The world is anti this message. And if we're going to share Christ, we have to share it clearly. We need the filling of the Spirit to be respectful and loving as we share, but not to leave out the very things that are so important. For those of you who have tried to share Christ with your, maybe it's your, your family, your coworkers, your friends, your best friends. You've grown up together and you've talked about Jesus, but you haven't really talked about it all. Your, your sharing of the gospel is more like, you know, God just loves you. He loves you so much. You're, you just, John 3.16 is home for you. You just stay there. Jeremiah 29.11, that's home for you. He's got plans for you. To give you a future and a hope. This God is just so loving. He loves you as you are. Believe on him and you'll be saved. Everlasting life. You tell that to anybody, they'd be like, yeah, man. 
bring it. I want that. You, what, you, what we just don't do is we don't go past 316. We don't want to go to verse 17, 18, 19, and 20 and talk about the darkness that we so love. And that's why we don't want to believe in him. We got to be clear. We got to teach it all. What's after 316, Christian? Why don't you talk to them about Romans 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5? Because it exposes the wickedness and the sinfulness of who we are. It's why these religious leaders were so irritated at this gathering. Oh, if they only repented and believed. Understand this too. That when we don't share the whole gospel, it's like this. If, the, if we're in this house right now, if you're in a house and it's on fire, and in two minutes that house is up in smoke and anything in the house is gone. And if I found you in the house and I knew the way out and I knew the door that leads to the escape, wouldn't you want me to be clear in my directions to you? Or would you want me to just be like, because we got to get out. Shoots. And I know the way out. I know which door. I know how to get there. I know how to unlock it and get through. But what if I just said, you got to get out, man. You should get out. Love you, cuz. Cuz how? I don't know. Is that our evangelism? I want to be clear on this. This is eternal life. This world. Those of you who read Pilgrim's Progress, some of you saw, watched the movie with us on Sunday. What was Christian's burden? The city of destruction. It's, it's going to end. Uh, he tells his wife, got to get out. This evangelist, he told me the way. I don't know. I just got to go. Guys, if we don't get clear on this, if we don't get this, we got nothing good to share. Life, death, resurrection, glorification to Christ alone. Share it clearly. And don't cower at that message. Don't be ashamed of it. Romans 1.16, Paul, he's unashamed of the gospel. Why? It's the power of God for salvation for those who believe. I'm going to share it with that surfer I'm sitting with in the lineup. I'm going to share it with that barista. I'm going to share it with my family. I'm going to share it with my children as they're getting older. Whatever, however they respond to it, it's in the Lord's hands. But you got to understand this. Peter and John, they love these men. They love these religious leaders. They love them. It's their family. Even if they beat them and threw them in jail, Jesus Christ loved Israel. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're ignorant. And so he preaches the truth. We have to be. This has to fuel your evangelism. If you, if you, don't, if you have not... If you don't understand these things, if you're not experiencing sharing this, you, I, I, I'm encouraging you, I'm begging you to get alone with the Lord. Get on your knees. Say, Father in heaven, save me. Help me to see this is good news. Good news. For those of us who place our faith in Christ alone, it's an amazing joy, you know. I wake up in the morning, I breathe, I'm like, I don't even deserve that. You know, people are asking me how I'm doing. I'm limping around my cane. And I'm just, I can't help but say I'm so much better than I deserve. 
because I know I'm a wretch that deserves the wrath of God. But someone in mercy and grace and love took my place. And he paid it in blood on the cross. That's our Lord King. Let's go back to Acts. Almost pow. So when you're filled with the Spirit, you speak respectfully. Peter preached the gospel clearly. Verse 13. Um, let me give you these verses before we move on to the next point. If, if you're here tonight and you've been walking with the Lord for some years, you know the gospel, you know the scriptures, and, and, and yet you've never really shared it all to your brothers or to your family and your friends. You're, you're not, in your personal evangelism, you, you just share bits and pieces of Christ, but you don't share the whole thing. I would encourage you to read these verses. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 to 7. And Hebrews 5, verse 11 to 14, it's talking about um, uh, you, you need pure milk of the word to grow up in salvation. Um, Hebrews, he says, by this time, you should be teaching the gospel. You should be sharing Christ with people. But you need to be taught the elementary truths or the basics of the faith all over again. And that's not a, no shame. No shame. It's okay. This is why at our church, our membership classes, the steps, the whole thing is just to make sure we get clear on this. To know that you know that you know that you're a Christian. And what is the gospel? we got to be clear on this. If we are not clear on this, we're in big trouble. That's why if our church is not clear on preaching the gospel, this is not a church. Because then the, it's hard to say if the converts are real. And so, anyway, I commend those verses to you guys. Let's move on. Verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, I love this, and perceived that they were uneducated. They never finished school. Common, just for an ordinary brada, men, they were astonished. Yeah, jaw dropped. Wait, these are fishermen. What's going on? Notice this. They recognized they had been. Jesus. That verse is so worthy of your pen and underlining and circling. Their boldness came not from having a degree, not from their experience in ministry, not from oh, all the Christian shirts they wear, the stickers they put in their car. That's not where their confidence came from and how, how many times they went to church, how much they tithe. How did Peter and John, who were cowards, hiding, scared to be associated with Christ, how did these guys become so bold and courageous? They recognized they were Jesus. And I love that these guys recognized that they were with Jesus. Does the world recognize you're with Jesus? When the world looks at you, is there something about you that's just so peculiar what are you on? Who are you with? How did Peter and John get so bold? They were with Jesus. It was not enough to just be sound in their doctrine. Jesus taught them their doctrine. They were on point. That's clear in all their sermons so far. It's not enough though. They were with the man, this Jesus. And I would even go as far as saying, it's not that they were just with him. They're still with him. The spirit of God is abiding in them. 
When will you, Christian, realize that when you're alone and in your devotions, in your own alone time with the Lord, you're not alone? When's that going to hit home? That you're not alone? When I'm alone and I'm wrestling on the floor in prayer in the room, I'm not alone with this big book that doesn't have pages and words too big for me. I'm with the author. I'm with Christ. I'm spending time with Jesus. And when I come out of my devotions, I'm a, I'm a freak. I'm just ready to love someone, anyone, anything that's breathing. It's just like, I don't know if you've under, experienced that. You come out of your devotions just like, let's go. You know, like, you're just ready to see someone, right? You want to love someone, serve someone, die for someone. That's only from being with Christ. You don't know that if you don't know Christ. You will never know that. You'll never understand that type of boldness and courage. You care so much that if it's your last day, your last chance, you've got to do something. Say something. These are these men. These are the apostles. This is how they preached the gospel. They were with Christ. And it was evident. It's like that scrawny kid that's showing up at the schoolyard because the bully said, 3 o'clock after school, I'm going to bust you up. And the scrawny kid comes walking in the schoolyard all Tantaran, on because his big senior brother's right behind him. Just walking in strong. You know, like, because he's with his big brother. It's like that, it's like the kid coming home from his first date, and he's walking in just like with all that swagger. And you just look at him, you're like, I can tell you he's with somebody. You know, it just, that wasn't cool. You had a good time, man. You, saw, man, what's up, man? you can just tell when you've been, this is the effect Jesus has on his, 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 Christ, his children. This is the effect Jesus has on the apostles. They, you can tell, man, you've been with some, you've been with Jesus. I thought he's dead. No, he's not. He's alive. Does the world realize and recognize that you're with Christ? Or, or, or do they just think you're just, some, you're, you're just some guy or some girl that thinks you're better than me and you have a lot of book knowledge? See, I can tell if in my devotions I've been with Christ or if I've not. If I've not been with Christ, I come out a coward. I've read a bunch of stuff, but I'm not going to tell nobody. That's because I didn't get to Christ. Or I come out cocky. I read a bunch of stuff, got a bunch of knowledge. Now I think I'm all tantaran. I think I'm all hot stuff. When you get to Christ, you have the knowledge and you're amazed. You're floored. You're humbled. You're broken by it. Amazing grace. And you have this supernatural ability to love your enemies and to speak respectfully to them. And to tell them clearly, regardless of how they treat you, the whole entire gospel of Jesus Christ. And you have this boldness that you never thought you would have had. You're so driven by love. This is why I love church history and I love reading biographies of men and women burnt at the stake, whipped, beaten, smiling and singing hymns as they're burning. Why? How can that be? What is this power coming from? Jesus Christ, they've been with him. They're with him now. This is Christianity. And I love that the doctors got to point out that they're uneducated in common. I love that about the Lord. He saves and uses the doctor like Luke, the scholar like Paul, and the brada like Peter, the fisherman like John. The church is a wild place. You know why? Such a great diversity. But the only one thing that makes it count, the difference, is we're with Jesus. 
Read your Bible all through, all through, you know, the Bible reading plan that we're doing in our church. You look at these guys, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, David. What made these men anything? Not them. You'll see clearly in the stories and the narratives. And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Moses. And the Lord was with, the Lord was with, the Lord was with. That's the difference. That's all it is. Same with the prophets, same with the apostles. They recognized they were with Jesus. Tonight, that is all that matters. Are you with Jesus? Is Jesus with you? Have you truly placed your faith in this Jesus of the Bible? Is your faith defined? Is it clear? Are you certain? Do you know this? Have you come to him? Have you trusted in him? Is he dwelling in you? It's an amazing thing to be filled with the Spirit of God. Let's finish. Verse 14. And seeing the man who was healed standing beside him. So after that breathtaking presentation of the gospel, there is the man that was healed standing beside them. And this is not, is this not what Jesus said? They had nothing to say. Just mic drop moment. What you going to say? What you going to do? I don't know. They had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, so they said, okay, Peter, John, um, thank you guys. That was, that was great. Get out of here. They conferred with one another. They had a little huddle. And they said, what shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed. It's evident all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We can't deny it. Come on. Oh, Lord, have mercy. They heard him. It's notable. It's evident. What do you do? You repent. You repent. You, you acknowledge you're wrong. You're wrong. You did kill him. He did come back to life. He can save you. Repent. But they don't do that. This is one of the... Last week we talked about the good butts, the great butts. Wages in his death, but the gift of God. This is a sad but. Right here, verse 17. But in order that it may not spread farther among the people, they warn them, don't speak no more. In this name. That's a sad, sad but. All the facts are there. The word of God is preached. It's right in front of your eyes. But I got to be honest. I know that in my rebellion, in my hardness of heart, this was me as well at one point in my life. I just refused to believe. So they warned them. Don't speak anymore. Verse 18, they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We will not hush up. We will not be silent. We will not stop preaching, teaching, proclaiming Christ crucified and risen. Verse 21, they had further threatened them. And they let him go, finding no way to punish them because this is how the religious leaders ticked. They were enslaved to the crowds. Peter and John apparently had the crowd. They couldn't, they couldn't stop them. So because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened, the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. These guys decided to just let him go. Hear this as we close. Being filled with the Spirit, they obeyed God rather than man. 
This is a sobering word. I wouldn't doubt it. Sooner than later, you will be threatened to not speak this name anymore. We will be persecuted to not hint at this book anymore. You will be treated wrongfully, disrespectfully, unjustly if you hold to the truths of this book anymore. But we have this hope. We have this truth. I am sorry, but I will obey God. For God is sovereign and he rules and he's righteous and he's reigning and he's coming. And I do not want to be found disobedient to him. I would rather fear God than man. The proverb writer says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. You get tripped up, trapped up real quick. Galatians 1.10 says, if you live to please man, you're no longer a servant of Christ. We must decide and discern right now in our hearts and ask the Lord for help to, tonight, now. Lord, let us resolve to trust and obey you and you alone, come what may. Is this your faith? Do we believe? I've been praying, you know, thinking even about what that doctor said. You know, you keep preaching, you keep teaching that Bible. I wouldn't be surprised you get locked up for hate crimes. And I'm just thinking, I'm asking the Lord to just be so filled with the Spirit. If that's what happens, that's what happens. And even if worse. Here's my encouragement and we'll close. Regularly pray for the filling of the Spirit. And now when you pray for that, you know what you're praying for. I want, Lord, to be so filled with the Spirit, so filled with your love, that I will faithfully, respectfully, clearly preach and teach and live out the gospel. When you pray for the Spirit, that's what you're praying for. That's the work of the Spirit. Pray and ask yourself, where are the open doors? Have, them been, have there been doors today that we missed? Tomorrow, we're going to wake up. There may be an open door. What's helped me tremendously is this, praying for individuals by name. I know, do you know the names of your neighbors? Do you know the name of the mailman? Do you know the name of auntie that gives gas across the street? Take note of people. They're people that Christ loves. We're in a house burning on fire. We've got to get out. We know the way out, don't you? Tell them. Pray. Pray for their name. Pray for them. Pray for their soul. Ask the Lord. Say, God, I just want to care about Henry. I just want to care about Lillian. I want to care about Kavika. I want to care. I want to, I want to, I want to care. Give me boldness to care enough to tell them. Pray these ways. Pray this way. Learn to intercede. If you're a church member, I would encourage you to even do this. Pray for our membership. I wouldn't doubt that there's members in our church, people in our directory, they think they're Christians. They're not. We need to evangelize each other. That's what membership is about. It's affirming and clarifying this faith. And if we're really believing it and living it. And do this, guys. I've been trying to do this as much as I can. You're with believers that believe this hated message just like you, when we show up at gatherings like this, oh, take great advantage of it. If there is a soul 
And if it's even yours, or if there's a family member or a coworker that you're hurting for tonight, get a couple brothers and sisters and say, can we pray for this person, please? I've been a coward lately, or I have never even thought to share, or I've shared, but not at all. I haven't, I haven't got to the depravity of man. I, I don't want to talk about sin. I need prayer. Pray for me. I'm a coward. We need the boldness of Peter and John. That's why even when we get to the end of this chapter, chapter, uh, the next section, I think, what do they do? They get released. They get out. They find the church. And if you look at the pericope, it says they prayed for what? Boldness. To what? Keep preaching. I just got out of prison. I like boldness for preach some more. <laughs> Amen. I love that. When you're filled with the Spirit, you speak respectfully, you preach the gospel clearly and boldly. Let's pray. We'll be out. Lord, as we come to the end of this text, what matters most is that it's hidden in our heart. You desire truth in the inner parts Wisdom in the secret heart. These scriptures, these holy, sacred writings, they need to abide in us. It's not enough to just merely be intellectually understood and memorized. That does nothing for no one. The word of God is living and active. And it's sharp. So please pierce us. Have mercy, Lord, of our cowardice or our ignorance. Forgive us for even maybe being arrogant and prideful like the religious leaders. Whatever the condition of our hearts this evening, Lord, we need softening. I pray that you would continue to burden our hearts with this world and people, souls. He who wins souls is wise. Be wise with your days. Sooner than later, our king is coming. We may die tonight, or you may come back to get us tomorrow morning. Nobody knows the day or the hour. So please, Lord, fill the church with boldness. Not just our church, but every gospel-believing church on the islands, across our country, and around the globe. Now is the day of salvation. We must preach the gospel. We must go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that is commanded. Everything. Be clear, cover to cover. Know this gospel and send its message. God, have mercy on us, we pray. Fill us up now. The righteous are as bold as a lion, the proverb writer says. Make us bold like this. Bold and courageous. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.